Welcome to the My Why Podcast, where educational storytellers Jesse Mann and Kristen Travers discuss identity-defining moments with special guests. Inspiration ensues. So we want to start today with saying thank you to the Lloydminster Region Health Foundation for sponsoring this episode. The Health Foundation wants to send a big shout out to you, the listeners, for the support you have shown the foundation that allows them to continue to provide frontline workers and patients with the needed resources. If you're looking for ways to help out more, please consider donating to the COVID-19 Emergency Fund. They will continue to support all the frontline workers during this crisis. Links and more information on supplies that they require are available on the show notes of this cast. So thank you, listener, for joining us today. Our next guest is someone I only know a little, but I already respect her a lot. She is a network marketing professional, barrel racer and horse enthusiast, farmer, and honestly, she's kind of just an all-around boss babe. I was honored to recently photograph Jessica Duvenage, now Pickford, and today is a day I have wanted since we started the podcast. Get ready, listeners. This is going to be a good one. Welcome, Jessica. Hi, Jess. (laughs) Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thanks so much for coming on. So you recently posted a comfort zone crushing post and it, it is so, so good. And I actually, and I mean, you know this, but I'm reading Jessica's post. I'm halfway through it and I'm already in the comment section being like, this is your public invite to come on the podcast. So thank you again so much for coming. And again, I know, and you, you just shared that it took a while to write that post. And it truly is a comfort zone crushing post. So will you and do you mind sharing a little bit about that for us now? Absolutely. So it honestly probably took me about three weeks to write this post. And I don't really know what possessed me that this was the time to do it. I just knew that I wasn't going to get further in my personal development journey if I didn't share this part of my story, because it truly is who I am. So the post itself, I'll just read it off for you guys here. So since I started my personal development journey about five years ago, I knew it would eventually get to the point where I had to share my toughest, most vulnerable journey. It is something that I have lived with my entire life, successfully hid hid from many people. And if you ask me why I hid it, I would respond to you that I didn't want want people to see me as different which is 110% true, but deep down and subconsciously, I am ashamed, which is complete bullshit. Excuse my French. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that. You can say it. Yes, you can. (laughs) You can say it. It is complete bullshit that I had to feel ashamed for this. What happened to me that made something that is completely out of my control something to be ashamed of? Um, What kind of world do we live in that people that feel the need to hide something that is so unique um, about themselves that they fear because they fear of what others will say? With everything going on in the world, I feel like now is as good time as ever to share with you my story and what I have learned. I was born without my left forearm, which medically speaking makes me a below elbow amputee. We We don't know why these things happened, But what I do know is it did happen for a reason. When I was young, my family protected me from the harsh world the best way that they could. They prepared me for what was to come the best that they could. But what they didn't prepare me for was real life because they couldn't do that for me. I will never forget, let me try and hold it together because I still cry when I think about this. I was in grade three. 
I had a terrible day and I don't remember who said what or who, what the comment was, but I came home crying and I remember sitting in my mom's arms and her crying as well. And I asked her, why me? She responded that she wished she could take my pain away and that she could, and if she could, she would give me her arm. You guys, that was 21 years ago. And let me tell you, it is still so raw. I was a little girl who wanted to stand out in a world, but not in the way that God intended me to. Despite my best efforts of my parents, my siblings, my teachers, and my coaches, I was damn determined to stand out in a normal way. I became an athlete. I competed in everything I could, and I did well in all of them. I thrived at track and field, breaking 100 to 200 meter records. I hurtled like a madman, and I held my own all five foot two of me in high jump. Where I found my time to shine was on the volleyball court. I played high levels of volleyball throughout high school and even spending some time training, training with Team Canada. I remember doing an interview for the Vermilion local paper and telling the journalist that I do not see myself as different. The only thing that I could not do is the monkey bars. And to this day, I still hate the monkey bars. I love sports. There was no denying that I wasn't normal if I was thriving at them. Same goes with my love for competing with my horses. When I'm running down the alley to that first barrel, going so fast that I don't even know my own name, no one watching knows that I rely on a prosthetic arm to help me help my horse make that left barrel turn. That makes me feel invisible. It makes me feel powerful, strong, and determined. I have a tattoo on my left bicep that says live beyond your limits. I embrace that hard. I truly in my soul believe that you can do anything you set your mind to, except for those stupid monkey bars. <laughs> my baby sister recently told me after I got a terrible message on Facebook from a fake account that successful people stand out. No one that has made it big has fit in their entire life. Her, world, her words stuck with me, and they are a daily reminder to live life, to live the life that God intended me to, but also to keep doing what I'm doing, because what I'm doing is making me feel safe. She also said years ago that God knew what he was doing when he made me, because if it wasn't for my arm, I would be able to kick both her and my brother's ass at the same time, instead of just one at a time. Sometimes I still sit and wonder, what if? What if I was normal? But at the end of the day, there is no way I would be the person I am today without my story. Life as an adult is presenting its own challenges. And one that I'm seriously battling with right now is motherhood. We always hear, I don't care if the baby is a boy or a girl, as long as they are healthy. Or there's a beautiful quote about falling in love with 10 little fingers and 10 little toes. I even heard a brand new dad say once, I leaned over and I counted the finger, I counted toes and fingers and I sighed a sigh of relief. I think that it goes without saying what that does to my heart, but I have to continually remind myself that that is my ego reacting to those comments. Those things are not meant to hurt me. As we plan to start a family in the new future, I want nothing but for our children to be born normal. Not because I don't think that they could, that I could handle the challenge as a parent, even though I can't imagine what my parents had to go through. 
but because I wouldn't want anyone to have to navigate the hurt, confusion, the hurt and confusion that I was faced with as a kid. I know deep down that no matter what, they will be tough as hell because I will have my story to share with them. Things that I have learned from my journey. My story matters. I share this not for the pity me factor, but for the whole but for hopefully giving someone that's struggling with anything a little inspiration to get back on a horse or, or for really get back, get on the horse for the first time. Be kind. Life can be cruel. No matter how bad the day was, kindness is all that matters at the end. Even though you can do it yourself, it's okay to ask for help. This is something, a lesson that I had to learn and it took me years to get there. I fought it because I wanted to prove that I could do everything for myself. But luckily, my amazing husband helped me finally reach that. You are tougher than you think, I promise. My wonderful father pushed me to be the best that I could be. Um, and through him, I learned that I am tougher than I ever thought I could be. Find a community that loves you for exactly who you are and love on them hard. I know that when my people look at me, my difference is not what they see. Hurt people will hurt people. It's a cruel statement, but so true. No one that isn't hurting will deliberately go out to hurt somebody else. Remember that. Why fit in when you were born to stand out? Everyone stands out in their own unique way. Please embrace yours. Your imperfections are exactly what make you perfect. And in a world full of hate, be a light. There's so much negativity in the world. And if you can be a light for someone else, then be it. Wow, Jessica. Like that takes my breath away. And Jesse and I were both crying when we heard that. So you, you said that it took three weeks to write. And I mean, I can't even imagine how vulnerable that, that made you feel putting it out there to the world. Um, can you tell us how it was received and, and did you have any regrets or are you so happy that you put it out there in the world? Absolutely. I am really glad that I finally got to that point where I could share that part of my story. Um, it is, it's a weird feeling and kind of hard to explain that it's something that you're ashamed of and that's so, so out of your control, right? But it was, it was received really, really well by a lot of people. But again, like, I'm not really interested in those that aren't there to have a good reception of this, of the post, right? There is a quote by Brene Brown that says, if you're not in the arena... Not in the arena, like me getting your ass kicked. I'm not interested in your feedback. And that's exactly, and, and it was hard. That's easy to say, but it was hard to get to that point and actually physically bring to me to them, bring that to the table and be like, okay, whatever negative negativity comes from this is beyond that. It, it has nothing to do with this. And nothing came of it. And I didn't expect anything to, but oddly enough, I had these expectations of some people that didn't come through, which is still something clearly that I need to work on in my own personal development journey. Um, when I first started thinking about writing this post, I remember, you know, like when things happen and you kind of, it, 
subconsciously sabotages your train of thought, right? So there was a conversation had at Christmas between my dad, Brett, my husband, and my sister, and they were talking about people posting on Facebook for the drama effect and looking for that approval from others when why should it be out on Facebook, right? But to me, when I sat down to write this, I was like, if I wrote this as a news article or as a journalist, they would be so proud of me. And that's what I went on. Yeah, or came out with the podcast before it came out, or like you said, spoke at a women's conference or something like that. And this is straight from you, straight to the people who are following you. So, and, and definitely there is a balance between letting out and sharing all of this information from your heart. And a lot of what we see on social media, let's be honest, it is not there from the heart and it is not there to help people. And your post is absolutely like Kristen said, I was, I was bawling, I had to mute my mic because that post is raw and real and straight from the heart and is, is going to change people's lives. It, it will, we know that. Yeah. And you can't let, you know, like you said, you can't let people and, and some of the drama that could come from sharing um, ever get in the way of that. So you mentioned that, like, and we know you're, you're always on social media and you've got a, a marketing business and that's important. So why, and I know you kind of touched on this, why now, I guess, do you think that this is something that you can do, should do, and are going to do is share your, more of your story? Why now is kind of a why not now for me, I guess. Um, I've kind of hit a point in my business where no, I'm not stuck, but I can see the stuckness coming. And I know that when I'm not growing, that's when my business stops growing. And when I'm not sharing who I am and sharing my passion and my journey with others to inspire them to do the same, that's when I quit growing and my business quits growing. And ultimately that's, that was kind of my factor. I was like, I know that when I go for this level, that's something I'm going to have to share. And I've just kind of hit a point where I'm like, it's massive action time. I'm tired of sitting on the sidelines and it's, it's my turn. Mm -hmm. I love that, that massive action. I love that you just said that. So massive action. I know that you are a strong, independent boss babe that can do anything on your own, but I also know and have witnessed your incredible partner and co-pilot in Brett. You mentioned your husband and again, your confidence is so infectious. So let's talk a little bit about your other half. So as a woman, and, and we shared kind of off the cast a little bit about what that's like getting into a relationship I think all people, but especially women sometimes have some insecurities. And so what was that like getting into dating? Now we don't need to go into all of, all of the exes, of course, but what is that like, you know, going through that as a, as a woman, obviously, when you first start um, diving into a relationship with somebody? Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's never been like a conversation piece with a boyfriend. Um, even when I was in high school, like it was, it was just who I was at that time, right? And I grew up with those people that I dated throughout high school. So it wasn't like a, holy, that's a surprise. But it is definitely something that I hid. You know, like I would always wear sweaters or if we were just lounging at home, it would be a long sleeve shirt. Um, I wouldn't say I was always uncomfortable, 
with just me and that person, but out in public. And maybe it, I think it came down to not just being about me, but what that would reflect on that person. I didn't want that. Oh, that guy's dating the girl with one arm that that was, you know, like that was my, unfortunately, the stigma that came with me, um, especially playing sports. Oh, the girl with one arm, one arm on the volleyball team or the girl with one arm on the basketball team. Like that's the stigma that I wanted to keep away from those people. I was okay owning it because it, there was no changing it, but it was kind of trying to keep that away from those people. Um, yeah, I don't think it was ever like a really negative thing with anybody because they were always so encouraging and inspired by what I could do and demanded I do on my own. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it seems like you were obviously, you had that kind of resilience about you and that, you know, you can do anything. And that came from somewhere, like that came from your, you know, the people around you and the parents that you had. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. About how you became you. Yeah. So my family actually immigrated from South Africa to Vermilion, Alberta, and I was seven years old. So they always protected me, like, but they never treated me differently. Like I, I'll remember coming home and after like many people teasing me and stuff like that. And my dad would be on his way out the door kind of thing, right? With, it's like, I'm going to take a shotgun to a knife fight. <laughs> they always protected me in that sense of way, but they never treated me differently and they never let me quit. And I think that that was the biggest thing. And the thing that I see with like my siblings that weren't forced, like they were hard on me. I would say that they were hard on me, but in a loving kind way. And they never let me give up on things. Um, I remember competing in 4-H, like, I was never good at the showing stuff. I like, just like to go fast. And, amen, sister, amen. <laughs> and I had this amazing Arab horse that came out of the field from nowhere and I trained him from, from the ground up and I won everything I went to on that horse. And my, I remember feeling so much pressure and I don't know now looking back if I put that pressure on myself or if that my dad actually did put that pressure on me because he truly believed in me. But I remember the pressure being so bad that there were same days I didn't want to go. I was like, I don't want to go. I would like kick scream. Like I would spend all day in the barn brushing that horse, riding him, everything. But when it came to go to that competition, I didn't want anything to do with it. He would make me go. I would do well. And then he would say, see, I told you, you could do it. And I know that that was like out of the deepness, kindness of his heart, pushing me to do what he knew I could do. And I think that that's really where that came from as far as, you know, never giving up. And then um, growing up, like sports and stuff, I was always allowed to compete in whatever I wanted to. And again, like if I wasn't doing well, they made me keep going until I did well at it. And I think that's where that came from me doing really good in all kinds of sports and everything I competed in. Now, obviously, if you grew up in a small town, you totally understand that small town vibe. You just kind of belong, right? And like moving from South Africa, we had no family. We just had ourselves, but we had so many adoptive uncles, aunties, grandparents that just kind of took us in. So 
my world actually got turned upside down when I was 16. And my parents told us that they were getting a divorce. And like, I remember that day, like it was yesterday and I won't go there because that's just gonna cue the waterworks here. But my parents did what they could with what they had at that time. I can't imagine, like, I think about like the worst breakup I've ever been through. And I think about having my dogs and having those actually as people and not having family to turn to. You know, like I can't imagine what my parents went through during that time and not having anybody but us. So they did what they could, but I turned pretty much into like raising my brother and sister at 16 years old. And I think that that kind of just fueled my fire a little bit more as far as like, you can do whatever you need to do to make it work. But I'll be honest, like that was a whirlwind. Like I have no idea, like there was probably five years there that I've blocked out. You know, people ask me how was high school. I don't really remember high school. I remember cooking and cleaning. I remember sending my brother and sister to school, picking them up from sports. That's the stuff I remember from high school. And that's kind of where I lost myself because I lost that support of my parents and the community that we grew up in. And not that I lost the support of my parents, but clearly they had bigger You felt like you did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they had other stuff to deal with at that time, right? So that's, yeah, things turned pretty dark at that point. And I was coming out of that, I was weak. I wasn't the person that they raised me to be anymore. You know, like that strong girl that could do anything she said, mind you, that was gone. And at that point, I actually ended up in a relationship. The man was very nice and I still will hold that to him. He's a kind person, but I couldn't thrive there. You know, like I, I was weak and he made me feel strong and that's what I needed at that time, but he did not challenge me. And this kind of goes back to like, you know, the relationship thing. I need somebody to push me and to challenge me. And that's what Brett is for me, 100%. So yeah, that kind of took you back to the next question there, but. Oh, that was, that was so perfect. And I think that that's such an important thing and an important message. I mean, there's so many different things there. What, um, like you talked about coming out of, coming out of that and you were in that relationship. And, and so you obviously made a, made a switch there what what was the turning points we talked lots about identity defining moments so the divorce probably was an identity defining moment and the grade three was an identity defining moment so when when you talked about coming out of it all and starting to find yourself again when was that like yeah where did that come from the shift so honestly came i was i was like brand new into the juice plus business and I got coaxed into going to an event that I really didn't even want to go to. Like I started it for a bonus and that's what I thought I was going to do with it. And at that event, I don't remember who it was that was speaking, what she was talking about, but I felt like she looked at me and like peered into my soul. And she said, you are exactly where you choose to be. And I was like, F that. Like, 
there is no way I chose my parents to get divorced at 16, to raise my brother and sister, to be in this relationship where I'm stuck. Like at that point I had moved away from home or what was left of my home to Drayton Valley area. And I felt absolutely stuck there. I hated my job. I didn't fit into that community at all. Um, and I was just right mad. I was like, who is this person? How dare they say that to me? And I remember going home and jumping on my old black horse and going for a ride. And I was just like, holy shit, how did I get here? Right. You that, know? Jesse and I always say like, you choose your life other than like, you choose your life other than it's going to choose you. If you don't choose your life, it's going to choose you. And you were at that moment of like, oh God, my life is choosing me right now. 100%, totally. And I mean, like kind of backing up to the whole relationship thing again, like I've known Brett for 13 years and I always knew that that was the person I was supposed to be with. But during that time, I didn't believe I was worthy of it. I had, there was absolutely no way that I could tell you I was going to marry that man. I knew I wanted to, like, clearly, but I was like, I don't deserve him. He deserves way better than what I am and who I am. And I just, I had to grow to be that person that could marry him. Mm -hmm. For sure. That's sweet. Your relationship with your siblings, like I know, and I mean, I I come from a um, a split family as well. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's always an, an interesting thing for sure. Your relationship with your siblings, I mean, obviously you're kind of taking over that caregiver role. Um, how important is that to you now? And how, yeah, what is your relationship with them like now? Um, my sister and I are only 18 months apart. So we always competed in the same things and we were super competitive against each other. And luckily for my ego, I always came out a little bit on top. <laughs> But um, I would say my sister and I are now finally at the point where we can have a relationship, but they resented me. Yeah, it's been tough. Yeah, there was a lot of resentment um, as far as, you know, you're not my mom, you can't tell me what to do, but, and I can't tell you if at that time I was doing it for them or if I was doing it for me, I have no idea. I just knew it had to be done. Um, but my brother and I, we have, he battles his own stuff. And this year I have had to set some really strong boundaries with him and it doesn't change how much I love him and I will always be there for him and care for him, but he needs to figure his stuff out right now. And that is a boundary I could not set with him till now because I was that very nurturing, caring role for him. If he needed something, I was there. It was, hey, Jess, I need 20 bucks. Yeah, no problem. Here you go. Mm -hmm. And I was doing nothing but enabling what he was going through. And it, it's, been, it's been hard, especially this year. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of resentment for a lot of years from them. To, and I guess for me towards them too. But I'm glad my sister and I are finally at the point where we can have meaningful relationship and conversations for sure. When we talk about identity defining moments, like I'm just sitting here listening to 
to your story, and I mean, Kristen and I talk about our identity defining moments, but just right now in hearing you share about your siblings, I'm thinking about what happens with identity defining moments when the same sort of big moment happens to multiple people, how that affects everybody differently. And at the end of the day, I mean, we all try our best to do the best we can with the emotions we have and the feelings we have and the insecurities we have and all of that. But that's something I think right there just to, to sit with and think about. And I know I'm going to think about it for the next couple of weeks, just yeah. How those moments affect different people differently and resiliency and why and how, you know, some people act certain ways and others, the opposite in some yeah. cases. Right. Yeah. And so how does going back to Brett and this fascinates me too, because I uh, had kind of a similar sort of situation where I was in a relationship where I thought it was always exactly what I wanted to be. And I have, you know, been, I was treated so wonderfully in such an amazing family. And I, I will never say a bad word about any of them. But again, I guess, and too, you just said like the whole thrive piece. I just, I, I wasn't thriving. There was just something that I knew wasn't quite right for me. And now I'm in a relationship where I'm, I am challenged all of the time. So I guess I'm just curious and now maybe being selfish, but what and how does Brett challenge you and make, yeah, you, you better? I think that, well, even before like I said, like we've known each other for a long time, right? Like he'd been through a lot of those walks in life with me. Um, not specifically my parents' divorce, but I was first year college. My dad got really sick and he was diagnosed with, um, he had cancer in his small intestine. So they removed a small part of his small intestine. And he never told us what was going on. He told us he was working away and he would be home. And I thought it was kind of weird. Like we were getting lots of I love you messages, stuff like that. But whatever, I was college and didn't really think anything of it until he came home and he was skin and bones. And then we're like, what the hell happened, right? And I remember turning to Brett in that time. Like I had lots of girlfriends and I had great girlfriends, but I don't know what it was about him that I needed that kind of comfort. And he was there in an instant and in such a caring yet you can do this way and maybe now thinking of that he reminds me so much of my dad and like how he pushes me as far as like you know like well maybe you shouldn't be doing that and even though I'm like really who are you to tell me <laughs> what you not be doing he's right you know and he's always has my best interest at heart yet he'll challenge me in ways that I don't even know how to challenge myself. I think he probably sees you, right? Like that's, that's the biggest thing. My husband is very similar to that. Like he's, he's my person. He's been my person forever. And he, he's caring and compassionate, but compassionate, but he knows that I can do more than I think I can. Oh, totally. Right. And that's what bread is for you. Right. Like, and I think that's, what is challenging about the relationship is like you need someone to push you and you need someone to say like get off your ass and do something about it <laughs> right yeah and it's gotten like he he hates conflict and I mean we I'll be honest like we don't fight like we'll have like arguments or like spits and stuff like that but there's never like blow up fights right 
It's us too. That, that's totally his side though, right? Like he doesn't like the conflict part. And then kind of going back to what we're talking about mixed families and, you know, like my family drama, that doesn't exist in his family. And it's kind of been an eye opener for him. And it's been really good for me to him pushing me as being like, that really didn't need to happen. You know, like having that outside look, but still, he still has a foot in the door with all of it, right? He's not a complete outside look on the whole situation. And has your guys' best interests at heart too. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think, well, obviously it's probably no surprise that the three of us are tough, maybe too tough sometimes, but we need strong ass <laughs> men to call us on our shit sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs different things. It takes a while sometimes to figure out who we are and then we got to find somebody who compliments who we are and we need people who can call us on our stuff. Think. <laughs> yeah. Or like maybe hold us back sometimes too. Jesse and I always like someone hold our balloon down because we're going to float away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you talked about your tattoo and I kind of want to go into that a little bit. Like you have that, what it, like, how is it important for you to have that reminder on, on, or that message on your arm? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I didn't even come up with it, to be honest. It was a friend of mine, um, that I was like, oh, I really want like some kind of meaningful saying on this arm for that reason, but I had no idea what I wanted. And then he was like, what about live beyond your limits? And he said that that is exactly who you are. He's like, you do not let people put limits on you and you just crush them. And like, those were his words. And yeah, that's kind of where that came from. And I was like, yep, done, sold. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it really resonates with you. And I think it really resonates with Jess and I. Like, that's why, obviously, we were attracted to your message and attracted to you, because you really live beyond your limits. And we're trying to do that, too. Like, this is, um, Jessica and I were talking before the podcast about the whole living beyond my limits is new to me. Like, this whole hidden disability, I just kind of came into it in the last five years. And so I can hide it. When I, you know, when words don't come easy to me, I just don't need to talk. But Jessica, you don't necessarily have that ability. However, you have come up with ways to kind of hide your arms sometimes. Or, or, you know, there was, you said there was a person that you work with, that you worked with for the last eight months that didn't even know you had a prosthetic arm. Yeah, and it's funny, actually. There's a rodeo announcer, Miles Woke, and when he first did this, I almost crawled out of my skin. I was like, oh, I can't believe he just said that in front of this whole crowd. But he always announces Harry Hill Rodeo when I was up in the performance and it's packed and I'm running down the alley and he's like, Jessica rise with a prosthetic arm. I was like, oh, <gasps> <laughs> <Excuse laughs> there he tell my secret. <laughs> but after that, I had a lady that I've been running with all year and like I wasn't like hiding it as far as like wearing long sleeve shirts all the time and stuff like that it was hot like I was wearing tank tops and stuff and I have a prosthetic that I ride with that is a little bit different than I wear every day and it just kind of like just the finger the, the two fingers just kind of stick together and you can manually open and close them with your other hand so I just slide my reins in and out of that and I was wearing that it's not pretty like I've had that one since I was like 16 and it's seen better days. And she came up to me and she's like, I honestly had no idea. 
And I was like, well, thank you. <laughs> She's like, what do you mean, thank you? I was like, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> right. And she's like, I hope you're not mad. I was like, absolutely not. Like it's, you know, these women that I was competing with and against, because I mean, like, if you know the rodeo world, it's your competitors, but your best friends, she had no idea. And she, she had been helping me and coaching me with this young horse that I had, and she had absolutely no idea. And that was kind of like an eye opener to me that even not hiding it, it's still part of who I am. And a lot of people don't notice that. Well, and, well, and you, I shared about the past too. I, I didn't know. I had seen you run and I didn't know until we were like probably 20 minutes into shooting your engagement photos. And I was like, oh, okay. Like did, did not know that. And then I did share with Jessica, like I had questions because riding a barrel horse is not easy. I mean, I have broken my pelvis, pelvis riding horses before. Like it's dangerous and it is not mm -hmm. easy. And the fact that you compete at that level, like, I mean, listen, like I, I could, I couldn't do it. Like you're kick ass. But you could if you had to, you know, like people ask like, how, how is it hard? I have no idea. Right. I don't know what it's like to not. And I, when I moved to Wainwright after that relationship with Drayton Valley ended, I was living with a girl and one of my best friends. And she was looking through my Facebook and looking at my barrel racing pictures. And she says to Brittany, she's like, why doesn't Jessica hold on to her horn when she turns the barrels? And we had been living together, I kid you not, for probably a good month and a half, living together. Wow. And Brittany's like, well, Court, she only has one arm. And Courtney's like, shut up. Like, Brittany, that's rude. Like, don't say awful things about people like that. She's like, <laughs> seriously. So she literally took her into my room where I had a picture on the wall in a short sleeve and she's like see and Courtney was like wow I, I absolutely had no idea so I mean like it's just natural right and even like if I'm selling a horse people are like oh um I don't know if I could do the two-hand style and I just like kind of giggle I'm like that one's just there for show like the horse turns that barrel on his own <laughs> right so I find too like I've been very open about, you know, my stroke because I mean, I couldn't hide it. I have two young kids. I was in the hospital for so long. I, I can't hide it. Right. So I've been kind of open about the stroke, the aphasia, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so do you find like opening up a little more, people are kind of reaching out to you and saying like, you've given me hope or I, you know, I'm an amputee too. Or so what is your experience? Absolutely. Especially after that post, I had a girl reach out to me that I went to college with and she told me her long story about growing up in BC and not really being part of the rodeo community and then coming to college and wanting to compete in the rodeo team on a jackpot horse or a gymkhana horse. And she said, the reason I'm telling you this story is because you never stood out as different. What you stood out was, was your kindness. And she's like, everyone else, and even like the coach and whatever, she's like, they kind of looked down on me because I was riding this Gymkhana pony. And she's like, you were always just nice to me. And I really had to think back. I was like, gosh, I really hope that I truly was because I, that's just who, who I, who I am. You know, like for me, why be rude to somebody who's trying so hard for something that they want that badly. Right. And and I didn't see her as less than anybody. So that's why I was kind of surprised when she came out to me about that. And then there was another girl who 
messaged me after and said that her friend just had a baby with the same and she had asked what I would say to somebody like that as a parent and I actually got my mom involved on that and my mom wrote her a big like post of what what she did as a mom and she's like and most of all just don't treat her any differently that's a really going, good yeah that's good uh going back to your like the those little buggers in grade three and your mom um <laughs> they were little buggers listen <laughs> so um obviously there have been moments where you've been frustrated with people or their responses or like the rodeo announcer you said where you're like come on um but I want to go back to grade three and, and you spoke about, um, you know, eventually you'll be on your motherhood journey as well. What would you say to yourself? And I know you shared a little about what your mom shared to you and, and spoke about, but what would you say to yourself, that grade three girl who comes home and is hurt? What would you say to her? I think that I would tell her, you know, this is not the end. You know, like this, this isn't who you are. And this is just a part of who you are. And I, I thinking back to that, there's no words that would have took that away from what I felt in that moment. Um, it's been the journey and being able to look back on that moment and being like, okay, you know, like that, that stuff needed to happen to me, unfortunately, mm -hmm. to get me where I am today. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I, I honestly, like, I can't even, I don't know. Right. And that I'm not a mom, you know, but like, if I were to see a little girl struggling and me being like that, that little girl, I would just, you know, like, take her under my wing and just be like, this is what, this was my story and this is what happened and I turned out okay and it's going to be okay for you too. And then at the end of the day, it's always going to be okay, right? Like, it's not the end till it's okay, but it is hard. It's hard in that moment and that was really, like, the toughest stretch for me because we moved to vermilion when i was going into grade two and not only was i the girl with one arm i also couldn't speak english so they took me out of math class to go and learn english and then going into grade three i struggled with math right so it was just kind of like it wasn't just the whole arm thing it was just a whole snowball of I, want to, I don't want to say traumatic events, but almost. Right? Oh, yeah. You're little. You don't speak the language. You've left your... Yeah. Like, I honestly can't... Yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like, as far as, like, telling somebody, you know, giving them a little bit of hope, it's, it's a matter of just being able to share someone's inspirational story. If it's not the same as mine, it might be like, I went to school with a girl that lost her leg to cancer, and she's playing on the Canadian sitting volleyball team. Like... Wow amazing right like and I can't imagine having to lose that and I had a girlfriend reach out to me actually a few months ago her niece lost her part of her arm in a um, lawnmower accident and she had asked me she's like is there anything that we can tell her I was like honestly I don't know but I would love to talk to her you know like if we could ever you know and and it's not going to be the words. It's going to be sitting with her and actually showing her that she's not alone. 
that there is somebody else out there like that. And for me, I had the CHAMPS program. And it's something that I didn't really continue on with once I built up that, I don't know what it's, that verbiage or that resiliency to stand up for myself against other people. That's kind of when we stopped going to the programs and stuff, but I knew it was always there. And I knew that there was always those people that if I needed it, I could go back to. So finding those programs. And I think the biggest thing that I would tell like a parent in that is to help their child find the best, like, therapist to help them you know like tie their shoes like jesse you heard my dad's speech at my wedding about tying he used to tie my shoes until i learned to do it myself and i was four years old when i taught myself to tie my own shoes because i didn't have a choice to not mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i do remember that speech i walked over to your dad after i don't know if he told you and i said please like please know you can say no but can I please take a picture of that speech that is the best I mean I have I've done 265 weddings and the way he looked at you the moment of your guys's reveal moment to that speech forget it like I can't, honestly I can't even get into it because I'm just gonna cry <laughs> but yeah like an honor. sorry go ahead no go ahead oh I just feel like we had an amazing occupational therapist that definitely you know, and they were able to figure things out like that I wouldn't know on like to this day that I was should have been left handed, like everything that I was doing as a baby with my tendencies to grab a ball or kick a ball or anything, I would have been left handed. Huh. So that was kind of, kind of neat that I had to completely change that around. <laughs> yeah, of course. Well, I know Kristen's got the next question here, but I just want to go back to when um, you said like, you hope that people see you as kind. And I will say that when, when I first met you, it was just your, you have a quiet confidence about you, you know, like you just, you walk into a room and you're like, who is that? And she is confident and I want to see what she's about. And like I said, I did, I did not know. And so for me, absolutely it is your kindness and your confidence and it had, had nothing you know to do with this you know you're the special special feature and everything just to do with your confidence is who you are as a woman for sure I, I think that I think came with all of your struggles too I think you don't get that confident and you don't get that kindness without going through something that yeah life altering right like i think that's why you are so inspiring and that's why you are so amazing um well, i will say like i mean i i always remember you know wanting to be friends with those that didn't have friends and like reaching out to people that looked alone or looked sad i remember driving one time and pulling up to a red light and seeing somebody beside me crying in the car and i was like what can i do to reach out to that person but I also remember I was probably like 12 years old at a, a barrel racer at Gymkhana and I had just made a run and I came out and they announced my time and I was too cocky at that <laughs> and I did a fist pump and I let out a woohoo and my dad came over to me after and he quietly took me to the trailer and he told me that that was the ugliest thing he's ever seen me do and that humbleness stands out more and I was like whoa and I will never ever forget that moment and like we were raised similar <laughs> yeah 
identity defining moment right there. My mom wouldn't have taken me very quietly though. It would have been like, <laughs> listen. <laughs> right? Cursing me. <laughs> to this day, I come out of the arena and I just crushed her on. You just pet your horse and you go to the trailer. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's honestly like I married uh, a man similar to how I was raised. Like my dad is very, like very humble and kind. And I was raised around rodeo and cannons and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't follow through with it like you girls did. And, but um, I remember being very like, you, you can't celebrate and you can't, you, you have to be kind and you have to give props to everyone else. Mm-hmm. And even I married a man that um, is very similar to that. And my boys play hockey and they cannot celebrate, like they cannot celebrate their bowl <laughs> because they just like, that's my husband, like Craig, he just hates that. Like he doesn't want that cockiness out there. Like he can celebrate in your head, but carry on. You have a, you have a game to play. Yeah, be gracious right? kind of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so Jesse and I are really big uh, proponents of asking those like really tough questions and, you know, answering those questions Kind of make you grow and uh, bring like the awareness of um, understanding and, and those like big questions in life um, that you need to kind of just you're going to edit this out because I'm just rambling here <laughs> <laughs> okay so Jesse and I are always big advocates of asking those really tough and thoughtful questions of ourselves and we are firm believers um, in facing the tough questions and the awareness and growth that comes with that and so you asked, like recently you posted um, something about asking yourself the tough questions um, when you're winding down at night. And I don't know if you remember that, but you said something about, did you live in your light today? And um, what excuses have you had, what excuses have you been hanging on um, because of fear? Can you, do you remember that? And can you expand on that a little bit? Because that, that really resonated with us. Yeah, and actually, 100% props where props is due. Trent Shelton has um, a podcast, and that's where that came from. And it's really just, you know, like we, we get stuck in this world of working nine to five. You know, you you think that you can't do something tough, but then you're like, well, I don't enjoy that, but I do that every day because I have to, Right. And just making the best of that situation, like if, what, what can you do in the situation that you are to be in your light? And who are you in your light? And that's definitely like, you know, some deep personal development stuff that has to come through. But what do you need to do in a day to feel like you shined your light somewhere? Yeah, yeah that's awesome. I really like that. And you said something about the excuses that you hold on because of fear. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about what you hold on because of fear? Um, (laughs) Here's a tough question you want to ask yourself. I know, right? Like, hello. Yeah. I'm going to ask you on a podcast. Right. So (laughs) I guess it all just kind of comes back to, you know, being vulnerable and really I took a course with Brene Brown that, you know, she, she really talks about vulnerability and focuses on how it's not, it's not a weakness. And when I first heard that, I was like, absolutely it is. Like if I'm cry, I'm weak, but that's also how my dad was raised, right? Like my grandma was a tough full bird 
and there was no crying. Um, and although he did embrace the whole emotional thing, it, it still shines through in who he is, right? And as far as like hiding behind your excuses, like what are you actually scared of and what, what are you not willing to do because you're scared of the outcome? Is it the outcome that you're scared of or is it what people think or is it the journey in between that and the outcome? And it's almost like, you know, completely goes back to this whole personal development journey of mine and knowing that I need to grow into a person that can achieve the goals that I have set for myself and setting goals big enough that you have to grow to be the person to be able to achieve those things. And I think that's just kind of what I meant along those lines of like, you know, quit hiding behind your excuses that you don't have time. There is time if you make the time, you know, like um, it's cold outside, put on another jacket, goes back to exercising horses for rodeos, you know, like it's raining. I've exercised horses in the rain, but I've also been like, it's raining and I don't want to exercise horses today. So really just like looking at the big picture of is your goal and your dream big enough to, out, to outweigh your excuses? Yeah, that's really powerful. And I love how you said vulnerability is really, I, I think, the true measure of strength. We really love Brene Brown. I think that was a big, big, powerful um, teacher in our journey for sure. Yeah, we are huge. We talk about her lots. And actually, when I was in the hospital um, with my broken pelvis, two of the books that I read right away that kind of got us on the whole, like, well, we're going to, you know, try and do this educational storytelling um, thing that we're doing with my why came from those books that Kristen had brought me in the hospital. And it's so crazy to me that we're talking about relationships and this is coming around and you shared um, about thriving in that previous relationship. I was sitting in my house and I was watching, there's a Brene Brown on Netflix. I'm watching it. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, I have to tell Josh, who I'm in a relationship with now, I have to just tell him how I feel. And I was terrified. And if you know, Josh, he is a, he is a um, strong personality. And so it was pretty scary because, you know, he wasn't, he's not the type to just give away respect and affection and, and love for nothing. Like you, you got to earn it. And I was terrified and I just thought, you know what, like I, I'm in love with this person and this is who I think I should be with. And it was that, that Netflix show and what she said about vulnerability that made me be like, okay, I'm going to tell him how I feel. And if he says he's out, he's out. And I mean, we're together and still together. And thank you, Brene Brown. So <laughs> it's crazy to me that, yeah, like you've got to really get vulnerable sometimes and you got to do the comfort zone crushing type you know, action that's going to lead to things that are truly, truly, you know, where we should be and truly worthwhile for us. Like I, I thinking back a little bit here, you know, about why I decided to do that post and share it so vulnerably was like, I, I am in a leadership position and I coach these people and who am I to tell them to get vulnerable and to get brave and to do the hard shit if I'm not willing to do it myself. Yeah. And yeah, it's totally. Thank you, Brene Brown. <laughs> Thank you, Brene Brown. Maybe she'll hear this just getting that. Right? 
So yeah. I do have a question and Kristen and I, we have down days and we are often each other's, you know, like it is pretty cool when you share a business, but you also have friends where you can say like, I'm having a bad day and they're like, okay, cool. And what I love about what we've been doing, Chris and I haven't said this to you yet or not, but we'll say like, I'm having a bad day. And because we have our own physical things that we work through all the time, it's like physically or emotionally, we're like emotionally. And I'm like, okay, well, this is the response for the emotionally. If it's physically, we're like, and okay, so have we talked to the doctor? Have we been taking her pills? Like we ask that of each other all the time. So what do you do with any down days and how does Jessica come out of those days? And yeah, share a little bit about that for us and for the listener. Absolutely. I have down days. I don't think that you're human if you don't, right? Um, And when I read that question originally, I was like, oh yeah, I relax. I was like, should have known better. That's not where you were going with that. (laughs) um, (laughs) My best friend, Brittany, is definitely that person for me. And not just her. Like I have I mean, like all the girls that were in my bridal party are just, you know, in my heart and soul. And I can reach out to those girls anytime and being like, hey, things are not good for me today. But besides reaching out to those people and obviously Brett, like he knows when he walks in the door how my day was. Um, It's for me, pulling me out, sometimes those last more than just one day, right? If it's just a day thing, a workout, totally will turn that around for me going for a run um not even just I don't even need to saddle a horse but just sitting in the pen being around my animals like completely just especially I have one little black mare that I don't even know why Brett gave her to me she's this cute little thing doesn't fit into my program but I love her but she has this calming sense about her and like and through some schooling that I took, I did a little bit of animal assisted therapy and that horse is a hundred percent somebody that she just like, if someone's having a bad day, she just comes to you. Um, so definitely my animals, uh, working out and literally just getting it out for me, I almost need to talk it out, whether it's somebody who's listening or if I'm just saying it out loud to myself, I, yeah. And honestly, podcasts, like your guys's podcast, there's a bunch of motivational podcasts that I listen to. And if I don't start my day with one of those, it's almost like I messed up. (laughs) I know what morning routine I need to have to have a good day. And but I also know I can go back to those if I skipped it and to turn that around. Right. And are there ever, what typically gets you into those down days? Like, is it just you're in a funk or like you said, you're kind of feeling like you're stuck and you want to get out or does that little grade three um, girl come out sometimes where some of that type of stuff plays into just feeling crappy? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, Like I think I mentioned a little, well in my post there, I mentioned a little bit about a message that I got And it was August last year and it was just awful. Like I can't even, I'm not even going to get into what that person said to me, but those things don't go away, you know, like as much as like, I think, okay, I'm over it. It's time to move on. I'm fine. Like I'm safe. I'm, I'm loved. Like literally tell myself those things, daily affirmations, um, it doesn't go away and like subconsciously it's always kind of there and it's crazy how your brain will spiral you know like somebody says something as far as I don't like your shirt and it goes back to 
oh, they're complete, I'm a terrible person and who am I to think that I'm better than anybody else? And like, it, it's just unreal how your brain will just completely spiral like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank yeah, you. That, yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for saying that like a, a lot of people have that, well, most people have that, most people have that spiraling. And it's, it's really important to recognize um, the triggering and how how we spiral and and it's awesome that you recognize you have to start your day with a podcast and running and all of that kind of stuff which a lot of people are so struggling with that and especially with this um, day and age we have this global pandemic we are stuck at home we, we say we're safe at home um, so tell me about how you are managing um, this time and um, the lessons that you've learned or maybe you're struggling or, or tell, tell us a little bit about how you are managing this. COVID-19. COVID-19. <laughs> we could have, we could have not even said, had a question and just said COVID-19. Yeah, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> really like in the big scheme of things, like life hasn't changed a whole lot for Brett and I, like we both work essential jobs um our doors are locked and I can do 100% of my job from the computer and on the phone that being said like I have the option to work from home but it is so good for my mental health to have that physical stimulation of people and like actually leaving the house to complete that task like I'm like a checklist person okay done done like I have to complete tasks and other than our doors being locked like life doesn't change on the farm you know like Cows are still calving. We still have to get crop off the field from last year. Like we're going to be seeding right away. So like, as far as that, it hasn't changed a whole lot, but emotionally it's weird. Like I haven't seen my dad since Christmas and that is extremely hard for me. Um, can't see my mom. She went to South Africa and was on her way back as they were shutting down borders and stuff like that. So they're completely and I mean, my mom's a complete introvert, so she's happy self-isolating, but I need that, that connection with people. And I mean, Zoom is great. The phone is great, but it's not that physical connection that I need from, from my people. And we have had to cancel some huge events. We do every June or every second June, we do an event called Sacred Space, and it's a completely personal development weekend in Canmore. And I was like looking forward to it for the last two years, and it got canceled, right? And like stuff like that, that just absolutely fill my cup and overflow my cup that can't happen, it's hard. And I know I put on a brave face and a strong face, and I'm like, okay, we can do this, it's fine. But doing that, people don't ask me how I am. You know, like I'm always reaching out and being like, Hey, how's it going? Like, can I do anything for you guys? And not that I, I'm like, Oh, I need to be asked how I am, but it doesn't really come to that. You know, people just assume that. Yes is good. Yeah, totally. Like she's fine. She's still riding her horses, which is great. I would be completely devastated if they could give me COVID and I couldn't ride. Right. But I, I really do need that physical connection with family and friends. And even though like we are, like we're being smart about it, obviously, but like we do still have to go to the farm. Like that's not something that we cannot not do. Um, but there's some family, family that we can't see because they have younger kids and that that's hard. 
it is really hard. Yeah, and I think that's the risk, I think, when you said people don't check on you because you are so strong. That's the risk of, of being very strong. I think Jess and I have that same problem as well, is like, you can handle anything and people just assume that you can handle everything, right? So it kind yeah. of, Kristen, it kind of goes back to like, we have a, a mutual friend and her name is Laura Lee Marin, and she always asks and she will intentionally, I think, seek out the people who are the tough people that don't necessarily get asked. And she'll say how, and I've said this on a podcast before, but she'll say, how are you? And you're like, good, good. Yeah. And you do that. Like, yeah, I'm fine, fine. And it's that very fast um, response that we are like Canadianly conditioned into. And she'll say, no, no, how are you really? And you're like, oh, well, actually, and you kind of have the opportunity to get into how you're doing. And she really does that with people. How are you really? And I, I think more people can learn from her in that. Oh, gosh, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to kind of ask you about, you beautifully said your imperfections are what make you perfect. Mm -hmm. I really, really love that. Um, so for the listeners, can you tell us what you mean by that? Yeah, like, actually, Brett said that to me. <laughs> it makes Aww. me emotional, like, coming up with that. But um, really having to sit in that and hold space in that, that whole situation for yourself. And um, like I said, like I'm a checklist person. I'm like, okay, what, what do I think does not make me perfect? And then I actually will write out why that does make me perfect. Okay. And it doesn't come easy and gosh, it came five years of personal development has got me to the point where I'm like, okay, I can address those imperfections and instead of being resentful to them, be thankful for them and hold space for them. And why do they make me perfect? Whoa. I, yeah. I need to do that. I think there's such a, and we've talked again about this, but there's something about writing things down. We have to write things down because we think, oh, well, yeah, I thought about that on the drive or I thought about that on my ride or my run or the car. There's something about writing it down. We have to do that, I think. Totally. And another really great practice that I absolutely love, and Sandy Veyu, the lady that married us, uh, taught me this, and she, you write down those negative beliefs, whatever they are, whatever's holding you down that day, and literally burning that piece of paper. Yeah. with it. And I know it's easier said than done, you know, like we're like, well, don't dwell on the negative, but the actual physical feeling of burning something that is holding you down just completely is like a breath of fresh air. Hmm. That's amazing. All right, listeners, what are you going to write down on a piece of paper and what are you going to burn and get rid of today? I like that. So yeah, Jess, in kind of wrapping some of this stuff up, what are Jessica Pickford's my whys? What are your whys? Why are you so, and I, I love this professional development journey you're on and I've taken so many um, kind of mental notes of everything that I want to try and just getting some of, you've kind of shared some of your tips what what are your whys behind growth and development and and yeah I think it it changes you know like if you would have asked me 10 years ago what's your why it's to prove people wrong 
And then now it's kind of like to the point where to prove to myself, you know, that I am worthy of it, that I, I can do this stuff like that. Um, but as far as like my why behind my personal development journey, it is to be the person that my parents raised me to be because they gave up their whole entire lives in whatever they knew in South Africa to move us here to give us this opportunity. They knew they weren't going to have this life that I have the opportunity to live for themselves because they had to start completely over. So I am absolutely not going to waste that opportunity. Um, so that's a huge part of my why. And another, like, to top it all off is if I wasn't in that room that day and I didn't get inspired by somebody at telling me that I am exactly where I choose to be, then I'm honestly terrified to think where I would be. Like it, you talk about your mind spiraling at that point, my life would have just spiraled. And if I can be that inspiration for one person, then it's all worth it. Well, you've got two of them right here right now that are genuinely inspired by your story. And I can promise you we've got hundreds, if not thousands of listeners, and we know that they are going to feel the same way, Jessica. Thank you so much for your story. And to our listeners, if you want to continue to connect with Jessica, we can write down some ways that you can do that or uh, feel free to shoot us any questions anytime. And we can obviously forward those off to Jessica as well. So thank you so much to our listener, but obviously thank you so much, Jessica, for joining us today and for sharing your, your truth, your story, your journey. It truly is inspiring. And, thank and you guys like give credit where credit is due because this is amazing what you guys are doing and thank you for having me as a part of it. And I was listening to some of your podcasts today and it's just, it, there's something about it that touches everybody's life in one shape, some shape or form. So give you guys to sell some credit. There. Thank you. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks Jessica. You guys are we just are story hungry. Like we just want to tell as many stories as possible. And it's you guys that, and, and your vulnerability and your comfort zone crushing that give us the chance to do this. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So to our listeners, there's all kinds of things that uh, you can pull from this and uh, yeah. What are you going to write down and get rid of today? And what are some goals that you can write down and actively start working towards? So be safe out there. Wash your hands. We love you for listening. Thanks so much.